You're listening to NFT 365, the first daily podcast on NFTs with your host, Fanzo, talking crypto, blockchain, Web3, non-fungible tokens, metaverse, and what the f*** is a non-fungible token? We'll get to that. It's time for today's episode of NFT 365, the only daily NFT podcast minting an NFT every day for 365 days. Powered by the ADHD coin at rally.io, here's your host and digital futurist, the ADHD superpowered Brian Fenzo. This show is not financial advice, so do your own damn research. What's up, friends? Brian Fanzo. And, you know, we're going to get a little bit into, well, the vernacular and the vocab around this NFT space. But I want to qualify something that I think is really important when we, before I kind of jump into this. And that is, I think in many cases right now, people are using complex series of words and things to make things, in some cases, sound more complicated than, um, than they really are. And in other cases, they're using them in like broad generalities because they don't really understand the terms themselves. And I'm a big believer. I hate, especially in our early adoption phase, I hate, hate when we let our disagreements about how we use different terms dictate or determine what we're talking about, right? I would rather people not understand what WAGME means or LFG or why everybody posts GM um, than people kind of feeling like they're on the outside in, they're not in the cool kids club and preventing them from getting in. So on this episode, like I started off like, oh, I'm, I'm going to pull together like 10 or 15 t- uh, terms or phrases in this space that are important. And that list just kept growing. And so I'm going to tell you, I'm going to go through a bunch of the, the terminology that are, that are thrown around um, with NFTs, but I'm going to go through it fairly quickly. But I will tell you, I try to, in every podcast episode, qualify the, the different terms because I, I think it's important to know that, right? So you know, I'm going to jump right into it. We're going to kind of just kick through each one of these words. Uh, you know, hopefully, you guys can just follow along. Uh, I am having, of course, a, a video version of this. If you want to uh, watch the video version of this, I will make sure to include that in the uh, podcast notes um, as well. So the first term is GM, which is just short for good morning. And it's what most people are posting in Discord, on Twitter. Um, It's kind of like how you know people are in NFTs is rather than saying good morning or not posting something right away in the morning, we are posting GM, which really just means good morning. Now, you'll also see people use GN, which is good night. Um, But those ones are pretty simple. We're going to start off with some of those simple ones. The next one is one I love to use, and it's LFG. Which, you know, let's just say the edited version is let's freaking go or let's effing go. Um, is, and we use that in all types of ways in the sense of like, it's kind of like a rally cry. Like, let's, let's, let's effing go. And that's an important one. Like, I, I feel like it's, it's just one of those things that's kind of like a morale booster one that, you know, people are, are using pretty uh, regularly. Now, this one, friend, F-R-E-N, um, it's really just short for friends. Uh, we did see some of the brands like Pepsi come out and use that kind of like incorrectly in their vernacular, but it's just short for, you know, you'll say GM friend and it's just good morning friends is really what uh, that one comes up to. All right. The next phrase that we hear a lot is probably nothing. So like if uh, I posted one today and I saw that Ticketmaster actually sent me an email survey and said, NFTs are all the craze right now. We would love for you to take this survey so we can learn more about how you're using NFTs. And I took that screenshot and I posted it on Twitter. And I said, probably nothing. 
which if you say that really it means probably everything right it's like it's it's kind of like the 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 switch of saying like wow this is a big deal but really we're just saying probably nothing and it's a little bit of a a slant uh because so many people are naysayers or they're non-believers when something good is happening or brands are jumping in or celebrities are are, are you know jumping in a part of it uh we use that kind of probably nothing as kind of a a kind of a, a mocking of those that are are the haters out there now we can't really talk, you know, uh, acronyms or vernacular or vocab without NFTs, which is, of course stands for non-fungible token. And I will say like the, the word fungible, I just kind of like, but the idea of a non-fungible token means that it is the, the actual thing that you're purchasing cannot be replicated or duplicated or um, you can't uh, kind of use a series of it. And I think the greatest example of that is if, you know, I give you $10 and say, give me back the $10 um, in a week. You can take the $10, spend it. You can come back and give me five, a $5 bill, five ones. You can give me any version. You can even just give me a different $10 bill. But if I give you my, you know, crypto dad uh, number seventy three sixty one, and I say give that, give me that NFT back uh, to me next week, you're giving me back that exact one of those, and so that's the the non fungible um, way of that versus like creator coins, which you guys know powers this show, and that's more like ADHD coin. Those are, are more fungible assets, right? I can give you fifty ADHD coin, and you can give me back fifty ADHD coin, but it doesn't have to be the exact. Uh, same coin. So that's kind of a, that overview, that overtop um, piece of NFTs. All right. Now we're going to talk a little bit about um, some of the, like the overview type of NFTs. Uh, and one of probably the most popular that we hear a lot about is generative art. And I remember the first time I heard this, I'm like, I didn't really understand what that meant. And really what it means is that we're allowing the code to determine what the finalized art is by simply uploading all of these different layers, all of the different properties into our, our contract, into the actual process. And then it generatively makes the actual um, art pieces themselves. So that's how you're seeing like the bored apes, right? Where one will have its eyes closed uh, and will be smoking a blunt and wearing a suit. That is all generative art that is actually made based on you know, kind of putting in a series of uh, layers and then allowing it to kind of uh, overlay or create that actual art or uh, NFT. Now, another one is we call it, you know, a PFP uh, NFT, which is it stands for profile photo, which means is that, um, you know, NFT that you're buying is the art something that would be willing to be used as your profile photo on Twitter, on Instagram, wherever it may be. And so usually that's kind of thrown around more for like, what is like your signature piece? And we've even heard phrases like, you know, what's your, um, like your lifetime PFP, which means like, what is the, the one NFT art that like just really embodies and represents you? I will tell you for me, I, I feel like I change my PFP on Twitter almost daily because I'm always switching between um, the different projects that I like. All right. The, the next one we're going to get into is, uh, you know, the idea of like, we hear a lot like metaverse and then we hear Decentraland, we hear wearables. Well, the metaverse as a whole, right? Like the metaverse is the idea of like the virtual and digitalized world. And the, the concept is it's actually a world where, or, or a time, right? More of a time and place where we will care more about the digital world, the digital reputation, our digital uh, landscape, than we do our physical landscape. And the central land, it just happens to be one of the different types of metaverses um, that exist right now. And there's an argument on is 
metro uh, a metaverse uh, uh, a a decentralized um, entity or not is a part of Web three. That's all like that. Those are things that you know people like to uh, you know argue about. And then wearables. When we hear about like a wearable NFT, what they're saying is you're getting an NFT that you can actually wear in the metaverse. So for example, like I was gifted, um, you know, uh, bunny ears for because I hold the Playboy Rabbitar NFT. Well, those bunny ears are wearables, but they show up as an NFT. And when I'm in Decentraland, which is, of course, a metaverse, I can actually pull that from my wallet and add that to my character. So when, you are, when you're getting a wearable NFT, it's something you can actually add onto your avatar, which is like your you know, digital um, you know, person or representation uh, in the metaverse itself. Now, I mentioned wallet. Wallet is one we've heard a ton. I link of wallet as it's going to be as common or it's going to really be the email address and like the email like bucket of the the web3 world right so your wallet is is how you transact how you buy and sell uh, nfts but it's also the place that your nfts are stored now your wallet can also store cryptocurrency on it but your wallet you know the wallet is really the place that you're connecting and so people oftentimes get um, confused on like the marketplaces versus the wallet and i'll explain the, that difference here in a second so the types of wallets that are most oftenly thrown around are MetaMask, Rainbow, uh, Trust Wallet. Uh, there is a Coinbase wallet, which, which is different than Coinbase.com. It's actually a separate app, a separate entity. That really got me confused early on. And then Wallet Connect allows you to um, really connect you know, to any type of wallet, uh, other types of wallet that are out there, right? There's Gemini wallets. There's lots of different crypto type uh, wallets, but these are kind of like the, the most popular. MetaMask, Rainbow, Trust, Coinbase, and then of course you can connect with it uh, with Wallet Connect. All right, now you're like, okay, Brian, I think I understand wallets, but sometimes people say it's a hot wallet versus a cold wallet, or you may have even heard the term a hardware wallet or a hard wallet. And so I, what I will tell you is that the hot wallet just simply means that it is something that is connected and it's living, which means it's either in your browser tab or it's on your mobile device. And so that is a hot wallet. And a hot wallet is less secure than a cold wallet because a cold wallet has a physical piece that is disconnected from the internet. And so really when you're thinking about that, I was trying to look for, oh, here's my hardware wallet right here. So like this is a hardware wallet that I'm you know, holding up on the video, but for those on the audio, you know, it's simply a, a, like a USB drive, but when I plug it into my computer and I hold down these buttons, a, a series of numbers are going to come up here that I'm actually going to have to put in to verify um, you know, transactions and to make any um, you know, actions. And what is nice about that is if someone you know, steals your, your uh, password uh, online, they still have to have, they actually have to steal your hardware wallet to get the things out of your hardware wallet or your cold wallet. And the reason it's referred to as hot and cold is like cold, like right now holding it in my hand, it's not plugged into anything and there, it's kind of, it's what we call air gapped, right? There's no way that you could actually connect to it. So the hot wallet is what we're, most of us are using. Um, I would argue there's been a lot of discussion about cold wallets. Um, I believe they're right now, they're a little bit too difficult to manage. And like if, you, if your portfolio is six figures, I think you know, using a hard wallet or a cold wallet uh, makes sense. If it's less than that, I think you just have to be really good with you know, kind of managing uh, the nuances of your wallet. Well, now let's get into the nuances of your wallet. 
So you might hear people say, hey, send me your wallet address or your public address. What they're referring to there is that like the hash that is your public wallet um, address. Now, I will tell you, that is something that is public. It is okay to give out. It is much like your email address. Just like you would give out like, hey, my email is Brian at isocialfans.com. That, that your wallet address is actually something that you can give out um, publicly because you don't have to, but it, it's something you can exchange. But if someone wants to send you something, they need to have your public address. Now, this is different than your seed phrase. And you might have heard me talk about this many times. Your seed phrase is a series of words. It's 12 or 24 words. And that is actually like the, the master key to your wallet. So think of it like a master key to a car, right? Like if, um, if I give someone my, my public address, they, they can just see my car. Right. If I give someone, if someone happens to take my password, really they took a, a, a copy of my keys, but I, I can hopefully get back in. But if someone takes your seed phrase, that's the master copy, the master key to your car. So it doesn't matter that the car is in your driveway. If someone has your seed phrase, they can take the car out of your driveway no matter what. And so your seed phrase is only used when you are setting up a new device. Or if you're, actually really that's the only time it's being used is when you're setting up a new device. So like, let's say you get a new laptop or you get a new iPhone and you want to set up a new a wallet on there. Because there's no centralized hub for that information, you have to take that seed phrase and you have to enter it in the new device. So this is the thing. Your public address is something you can right click on in, uh, in MetaMask and share with people publicly. Your seed phrase is very is buried down in the settings, and and at no time, zero time, are you going to have to give that to anyone to validate or to sign anything um, in the NFT space. Now there is also a password on your wallet itself. That's different than your seed phrase and it's different than your public address. The password is more like the password to unlock the, the wallet so you see what's in it. The public address is the is you know like I said it's like the email address for people to send things to you. Now we're going to add a little complexity to the wallet, then I promise we'll move on. We, you might have heard things like ENS domain, or like my wallet address is fanzo.eth. What an ENS domain is, is much like a website domain, your ENS domain is actually an NFT that you purchase. And what you're able to do with that NFT is you're able to set up a primary redirect of your public wallet address. Right, so I told you that I can share my public wallet address with anyone, but if I want to have like a short URL for it, I can have fanzo.eth. So someone sending me something to my public address or to fanzo.eth is the same exact thing. Now you can buy multiple ENSs, multiple um, NFTs that command, uh, uh, command that have different domains attached to them, but or ENS domains, but you can only have one registered per wallet. So like in my wallet right now, I have things like nft365.eth and adhdcoin.eth. Um, but if they're not in the, they're only one of them can be actually mapped to the actual wallet. And where you buy those is at uh, ENS domain, ENS.domains. Um, and you can actually buy the NFT using crypto there. So um, definitely that's kind of like the short, the shortener, or the short URL in this space. All right, the next one we're going to go to is DEX, D-E-X, um, which is a decentralized exchange. Now, I usually just recall them uh, an exchange, and that would be something like Coinbase or Crypto.com. It's actually where you exchange your crypto um, from either, you know, from 
from one type of crypto to another, right? And cryptocurrencies, of course, this is always funny. People often say like, well, isn't cryptocurrency the same as Bitcoin? Well, no, they're not. Bitcoin is a type of crypto. It happens to be like kind of the godfather uh, of crypto and really what everything else is based on, but it is a, a type of crypto. Crypto includes, you know, Dogecoin, Solana, um, Shiba Inu, um, all of those different, you know, Hex, Avalanche, all of those are cryptocurrencies. But the reason that we, it's important to understand an exchange is when people ask me like, Brian, what's the easiest way for me to buy an NFT? I tell them, go to Coinbase because that's your exchange. You're going to take your money from your bank, put it into the exchange, and then you're going to send that money that you're going to turn it, you're going to convert it into crypto, which would be um, e- you know, Ether for, for most uh, NFTs. And then you're going to send that to your wallet, which for me would be a MetaMask wallet. And then you're going to buy the NFT with your MetaMask wallet. So your exchange is really that place where you can send uh, money back and f- or crypto back and forth, but it's also the place you can buy, sell. It's also where you can take um, your uh, crypto to the bank. Now, this one can, uh, I don't want to dwell too much on this, but you might have heard ETH, right? Like we refer to ETH oftentimes when we're referring to the, the currency, right? The cryptocurrency that is, um, that we exchange uh, most NFTs are purchased on. But funny enough, we, we usually say, well, that's Ethereum. Well, actually, Ethereum is the blockchain. Ether is the actual crypto name. And we just refer to it as ETH. You don't really have to worry much about that. But if someone says like, you know, it's going to cost 0.1 ETH, what they're saying is it's 0.1 Ether. And that is the thing that that is exchanged on the Ethereum uh, blockchain. All right. Now, a couple other cryptos that you know might be valuable. You guys have heard on the podcast, uh, Solana or Sol, S-O-L, or when I refer to um, Matic or uh, Cardano, Cardano's, um, you know, uh, tag is uh, Matic. And those are two different cryptocurrencies that you can buy um, NFTs with. They're a different marketplace and a different market, but they're ones that I also mentioned um, here on the podcast. All right. You might have also heard me talk about the main net or the side chain. The main net is where the main blockchain um, exists. So that's where we have all of the main types of cryptocurrencies like Bitcoin, Ethereum. Uh, all of those are on the main net. And then off of the different main nets, you can have what you refer to as a side chain, which means you're building something on that blockchain, but it's not on the physical main net. And so Rally.io, which is the one that hosts our coin here for uh, this podcast, ADHDcoin.com, that is actually on the side chain of Ethereum, the blockchain. So main net is that, that main area. That's mostly where you're going to play. But like when you had to buy the Matrix NFT, you had to actually convert your crypto to the sidechain palm because that's the, that's the actual um, you know, the, uh, marketplace that uh, Nifty's was using uh, for their exchange. All right, hopefully you guys are, are sticking with me. We're over halfway there, so I promise we're getting there. Um, we've also heard the terms OpenSea or Rarible. What those are, those are actually marketplaces for you to be able to, to buy or sell 
NFTs on the secondary market. So once they're actually minted, then you can buy them on these marketplaces. But here's the thing. It's more of like an eBay or uh, it's really like an eBay or an Amazon, right? These are more of like, these are the marketplaces, but it doesn't actually mean that your data or your information is stored there. Your NFTs are actually stored in your wallet. But when you connect to OpenSea, it's actually pulling that data and saying, what is in their wallet? Let's display it there um, on OpenSea. And OpenSea is that marketplace that we go to sell uh, on the secondary market. All right, another popular term is gas wars or gas. Gas is what is is the transaction fee that is required anytime you are making any changes to the blockchain. And really what it means is we're paying the miners, those that are mining the actual uh, you know, blockchain or the you know, crypto from the blockchain to um, actually, you know, we're paying them to, to transact and move things around. Now, when we hear the term gas wars, usually what that means is there's either multiple NFTs dropping at the same time or they drop, everyone has one chance to get the, um, the NFT all like, hey, 8 p.m., everybody has, you know, 10,000 people can get the, the actual NFT. Gas war refers to the, the way gas prices work is that the more, the more activity on the blockchain, the higher the price is on gas. Like it went as crazy to the other night where I was buying a $1,000 NFT and my gas fee was $1,200 on top of that. Now, that is not normal. I, I clicked cancel on that. But I will tell you that the gas fees often will range from like $40 to like $250. And if they're more than that, it's probably because there's a gas war um, going on right at that moment. And there are some tools and websites you can go to to monitor um, the gas prices. I will tell you, if you purchase... Um, during off hours, so off U.S. hours especially. So I like to say like 1 a.m. Eastern time uh, is a great place because a great time to do it because it's kind of before the U.K. wakes up, but it's um, you know while the East Coast is asleep and the West Coast is going to sleep. So that's a great time to actually um, you know jump jump in there so gas doesn't cost you too much. All right, the next terms we're going to refer to is transfer, bridge, convert, and wrap. So like transferring is actually if you are sending an NFT to somebody where you're not asking for the exchange of money, right? So I can transfer you an NFT by simply saying, give me your wallet address and I will transfer this uh, NFT to you. Now, in the case of transferring, for the most part, depending on where the NFT is, that is also going to require a gas fee because it's, it's actually a transaction on the blockchain. Now, when we are bridging something, we are bridging um, either bridging crypto or bridging uh, NFTs. What that means is we're taking something from one net to something else, right? So like, let's say you want to take your ADHD coin to your bank account. You're going to convert ADHD to Rally because Rally is the coin that is exchanged on both the main net and the side chain. And then you're going to actually bridge out the, the Rally from rally.rally.io over to let's say coinbase dot, um, dot, you know, over to coinbase exchange so you're bridging it from one uh, side chain over over onto the mainnet and then the term wrapped we, we hear this a lot when you're if you're bidding on an nft right you can actually there's two things you can do you can buy an nft or you can bid on it like auction style inside of um, a secondary market like OpenSea. But when you're wrapping your ETH, what that means is that like you're you're taking your Ethereum or, or your Ether, um, and then you're you're turning it into W 
E-T-H. And really what that allows you to do is it allows you to, you know, bid on something for auction, but it doesn't actually hold you, like if that, if you don't have that uh, wrapped ETH available and you're up to win the auction, it doesn't automatically take that out for you. So wrapping that ETH actually just kind of, what it does is it kind of takes it off of that, um, your main ETH and kind of uh, folds it inside so that you can, um, you know, auction on that. And so like, let's say for me yesterday, I, I wrapped 0.24 um, Ethereum or Ether into uh, wrapped Ether, and then I bid on three projects, all of them at 0.24. Whichever one of those I bid on that if accepts my bid first will take that, that wrapped ETH out of my wallet, and then the other uh, ones that I bid on will just not convert. They'll actually fail because I don't have that, that wrapped ETH in there. So if you've seen it, and, and the nice part about that is inside of Coinbase, you can wrap or unwrap um, your your ETH um, pretty easily inside of Coinbase, uh, but do remember because it's an action on the blockchain, it's going to cost you a, a little bit of gas fees. All right, now we'll get into a little bit of the um, the actual NFT process, and this one's a fun one because uh, the word minting and an NFT, and I, and I actually would say that I might have been using it a little bit not wrong, but. I was using it in a confusing way at the beginning of this podcast, which I was telling people that we're minting an NFT 365 days a year. But really what we're doing is we're buying a mint NFT 365 days a year because minting an NFT means in many cases can be me creating the NFT and putting it you know, myself. Now, the reason those words are ex- that like phrase is exchangeable is the word minting or mint really refers to the very first origin, the very first stamp on the blockchain. So if you are minting an NFT, the very first worst, first wallet address attached to that NFT will always be yours. So for this project, we're, we're buying a mint NFT. Therefore, every single one of these are brand new NFTs. I'm not buying them on the secondary market or buying them from someone else that already minted uh, the NFT. I've also used the term uh, liquidity a lot here on the podcast. Uh, and liquidity means your ability to be liquid or in the sense of have funds available, right? So when I say that like one of the superpowers that you can have is liquidity, what I mean by that is in your wallet, if you have a couple ETH that are there and you're able to act on something, that, that's your liquidity to actually kind of move back and forth. If you have bought all your, if all of your, your crypto is store is, is stuck in NFTs, you have no liquidity. And that's kind of where that comes from. The next one is floor price. Uh, floor price refers to the lowest current secondary market sale price um, or, or, or price something is for sale um, on the market. So let's say everyone is selling an NFT for one ETH, but one person sells that, it puts that NFT up for 0.25 ETH. The floor price is actually 0.25 ETH. Even though the average floor, average price of the NFTs in that collection is higher, the floor price is referring to what is the lowest possible um, amount I can pay to get into this collection. And so I'm not a huge fan of that uh, vanity, but it's without question the thing that we refer to the most um, here in the NFT space. All right, these next ones are ones that when you're researching a project, these are things that we hear people talk a lot about, the roadmap, right? And really what the roadmap is, 
is it's just your business plan. It's the, the project saying, hey, when we mint out, when everyone buys our NFTs, these are the things we're going to do. On March 1st, we'll do this. Or when we sell 5,000 of our NFTs, we will do this. And so that's referred to as a roadmap. That is something that was born kind of the end of last year. Uh, projects like Board Ape Yacht Club, um, even VFriends, when they were launched, they actually had no roadmap because it wasn't something um, that was kind of um, asked upon the projects. But that's really what it is. Uh, we also hear the term merch. That's just referring to merchandise. Like actually what I'm wearing right now is a, is a Crypto Dad sweatshirt, which is merch from the Crypto Dad's, uh, Dad's NFT project. And then the, the other one we hear a lot is Discord. Now, Discord happens to be the social, uh, let's just say, com- social communication tool that most NFT projects prefer. Um, main reason is because it allows you to automate and really create an active chat community using channels and and different um, categories, but it's a separate app that you will actually download. It can get overwhelming. It can be a little bit annoying with the new uh, the notifications, but I've learned to kind of love it now because it's definitely without question uh, the home for most uh, NFT projects. All right. Um, I mentioned this a little bit before, but I wanted to kind of tap into um, when you see an NFT project, someone might say, hey, that's a derivative project. So like I'm a big fan of uh, Expansion Punks. Expansion Punks is actually a derivative project. It's a derivative of CryptoPunks, which was the original project, right? And that was a, that was a generative art piece that, that the der- derivative is actually that like, hey, I'm using something similar or I'm building on top of, or in the case of Expansion Punks, which of course is the project I love, it's the expansion of that collection. The other thing that you hear a lot is, oh, I'm hoping to get a one-of-one art piece. Really what that means is it's outside of the generative art, right, where maybe there's, there's 10 um, NFTs that have a backwards hat and there's 10 NFTs or 100 NFTs that have a baseball shirt. One of ones mean that the combination and the art that is there is only on that one piece, right? So it is an individual um, piece that you're buying. And those are often like kind of referred to as like the most rare um, in the bigger collections. Now, we, we also throw around the words like a collectible. Uh, a collectible in most cases is, you know, very much like a, a baseball card or um, a you know, figurine. Um, if you're using like Vivi, um, which is a, uh, a one of the, the networks that you can buy Disney uh, type NFTs on, those are mostly collectible NFTs. They don't have utility, most for the most part, um, built into them. Now, you might be asking, what is utility? Utility is really what are the benefits, what are the perks that you get for holding this NFT? So when someone says, oh, the reason I love NFTs is because of the utility, what they're really meaning is because I hold this, it gives me access to a private Discord. It lets me attend this 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 upcoming party or event. That is the utility beyond kind of the actual NFT itself. Now, all of that can kind of fall into different places. And some of those places that we kind of like leverage or communicate, you might hear people talk to sp- about spaces, which was referred to as Twitter spaces. Um, you might refer to, hear people refer to, hey, my NFT project is having a town hall. Really what a town hall means is that it's a um, state of the union, if for uh, no better terms. It's where the founders kind of give people an update on the roadmap, on where things are going. It's really just a, a way for everyone to mass communicate. Uh, and there, you might also hear to the term um, AMA, which is Ask Me Anything, um, which is usually just like a Q&A session that is oftentimes hosted on something like Twitter Spaces or Discord. 
All right. I promise we're getting towards the end here. I know this is a lot of uh, information. We're over 30 minutes of it. Um, but I, I'm trying to kind of run through a majority of these terms. So it's all in this one, uh, one video, one episode. So the next ones I want to talk to is alpha, like you're getting alpha, right? So alpha is really you're getting inside information or you're getting non-public information about a project. So when someone says, here's some alpha, these are some things that we're doing, it's, a, it's kind of a, it's a referred to in the you know, computer and uh, programming space, right? Like I'm giving you information before everyone else knows what that information is. Now, the next one here is whitelist, and that comes from a, like a, an old computer uh, you know, methodology where you have a whitelist or a blacklist. But in NFTs, we really only have a whitelist. And what a whitelist means is that these are the people that are approved because that they did whatever they did to actually have the ability to purchase the NFT. Now, just because you're on a whitelist doesn't mean you get it for free. You're going to pay the same amount as everyone else. Most of the times they give you an earlier time to purchase it. And it also kind of gives you a guaranteed slot because some of these projects sell out immediately and they mint out um, in a matter of minutes and sometimes seconds. And then you hear the secondary market. Now the secondary market are those platforms like OpenSea or Rarible or Solana Art or SoulSea. Um, and those are places where after someone buys that very first NFT, they mint their NFT and they get their generative art. The secondary market is where we can sell that like OpenSea um, and those places that are there. The, uh, this one here is always a fun one because when I, say, when I refer to someone like, okay, you bought the NFT, you have to wait for the art reveal. They're like, wait, I thought I owned the NFT. What that means, the art reveal, is oftentimes when you buy the NFT, you have, a, you have like the name and the number that is associated and it's put into your wallet. But in some cases, as soon as it's in your wallet, you'll be able to see the artwork immediately. In other cases, they actually wait to reveal the artwork until later down the road, sometimes a couple of days, even some projects over a week. Part of that is like they want to create a little bit of a FOMO in the market, right? So you can actually, you can mint an NFT, but before you see the art, you can actually sell it on the secondary market and people are just trying to, you know, jump in and buy the quote unquote lottery ticket um, that is available. The other thing that we hear a lot is if you don't see your art in the OpenSea, make sure that you refresh your metadata. What that really means is there's like a, 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 like a little recycle button or refresh button um, inside of OpenSea. And what that means is the, the, when you're looking at the NFT on OpenSea, it hasn't refreshed. It hasn't made a call back to the actual um, update to the blockchain and say, hey, uh, show the artwork. So when you hit refresh metadata, it goes back to the blockchain and says, hey, is there any artwork? Has anything changed? Is there any artwork that I can show now? And then oftentimes you just hit refresh on your browser and then your artwork is there if they've actually released um, your artwork at that time. All right, last couple ones here. Um, we refer to like your NFT properties or like the rarities of your, of your NFT. The properties are usually the different layers of your NFT. So now some of them will have three or four layers. Some of them will have like 27. Like my Matrix one had like 27 uh, properties. And each one of the properties will have a, a percentage of how many other NFTs in the collection also have that same property, right? So like if, if you're looking at an NFT and I have a pink hat, it'll say the, the property is hat. The name of it is pink hat. And then it'll tell you, you know, 20% have this trait, um, you know, in that collection. So that means 20% of the 10,000 NFTs also have the same property. So if you get one and it says that only 1% or less than 1% 
um, have that actual property, um, that means that it's very, it's much more rare and in many cases uh, worth more money. All right, now I'll save a couple of the most, most popular ones to last. A uh, rug pool is, is one that's thrown around a lot. And really what a rug pool refers to is kind of like it's a money grab and, and it's referred to as the idea of pulling the rug out from underneath the audience. So in some cases, what people will do is they will say they're going to launch an NFT. People will put their money, will, will buy, will, will mint their quote unquote NFT. But then the people on the back end will just drain that wallet and and disable their accounts, delete their, their Discord and their website, um, and they can run away with that money because it's on the blockchain and there's no uh, kind of checks and balances on that. Now, I will tell you, sometimes we throw it around too much, right? Like, just because a project isn't delivering on their utility doesn't mean it's a rug pull. It just means sometimes that, you know, people aren't, um, you know, standing up for their word and they aren't able to deliver on what they promised. And in other cases, a project might not have been a rug pull at the beginning, but because they're getting bullied or they're pressured or they're too afraid to fail, sometimes people will just kind of delete and disappear as well. And so that is called a rug pull, and we've heard that a lot. You might also hear about people saying, hey, make sure you delist your NFT. What that means is that if you have your NFT listed for sale on the secondary market, that is actually you hitting cancel and taking it off of the, of the market for sale. Sometimes people do that because they want to shrink the supply. So they'll reward you saying, hey, for everyone that keeps their NFT delisted for a month, we're going to reward you with whatever that may be. Part of that is because they only want a few amount to be for sale because ultimately that will kind of help, um, you know, kind of fluctuate with the supply and demand. But if someone's saying delist, what that is really referring to is not having it currently up for sale. Uh, we, I've also referred to sometimes where I say where I go in and check Etherscan to see what is going on on inside of a wallet or a contract. Etherscan is actually uh, a, a website, a software that allows us to scan the information in the blockchain that is associated with a smart contract or what is attached to a wallet. And that is just the Ethereum version of that, right? So it allows us uh, to kind of dig deeper into that smart contract. Now, what is a smart contract? A smart contract is really the code underneath of an NFT that is a series of if this, then that uh, variables. I actually have an entire podcast episode. You guys can go back and listen to that where I break down um, what is a smart contract. The last couple here, rarities, like someone would say, I want to check the rarities of my NFT. What that means is there are websites that will actually rank the NFTs based on the most rare um, of those properties. So what you want to check is like, okay, if my, if my NFT has two different properties that are both 1% or less, more than likely it's a pretty rare. I'm going to go check like Rarity Tools or Rarity Sniper to check like what that actual um, NFT ranks. The last one's here, burning. Um, if you're burning an NFT, which means um, you're sending it back to the contract address, which just means you're uh, terminating the actual NFT itself. Uh, staking an NFT, which I think is always um, one that we're, I think we're hearing a little bit more, um, is actually the process of locking up the tokens of your NFT outside of your wallet. So like I, I currently am staking some of my giraffes from my giraffe tower, um, which is a project from Gary Henderson, which I'm going to bring on to the podcast. What that means is they don't actually show up in my OpenSea. Um, and what he does is he's actually incentivizing me by giving me additional tokens for each one of my NFTs that I have staked. And, and what it does is it allows people to lock them up, um, which you can kind of reward and it kind of takes 
away my ability to just sell my NFT or flip my NFT overnight. Uh, tokenomics is another one. And really, this is just kind of like a, it's a element of economics that deals with kind of the, you know, the trading and regulations of uh, crypto tokens. And so you might have heard like of projects that are um, passive income generating. Um, those are the kind of the tokenomics uh, of the different projects. Those are different. Tokenomics are, are different than just talking about like the ADHD coin, which is a, a creator coin uh, on the side chain. All right, then there's the terms like noob or shark. Now, a noob, maybe many of you can figure that one out. That is just a newbie. Maybe that's someone that is, you know, you're new to NFTs, you're brand new. You can refer to yourself as a noob. A shark is referred to someone that has a lot of money, or we can even say they have a big bag. And when you refer to something as a bag, that just means what they have in their total wallet, right? Like, so like, my bag contains, you know, 250 NFTs. And so that's kind of like how you refer to that. A shark is usually someone that's coming in and has a lot less care about like a hundred or two hundred dollars and they're trying to 10x or a hundred X something. But the sharks are those that are big time players. They often hold lots of the same NFTs um, in their collection. And then a fun one that I think is used a lot, which I think can confuse people, is are you a diamond hands or are you a paper hands? And what that really means is when things go up and down, what is the likelihood of you getting nervous and selling it versus you're holding on to it for the long term? If you are someone that is buying an NFT and you plan on holding on to it for the long term and you don't care that the price dips and the price goes up, you're diamond handing it, right? You're, you're holding on to it. You're diamond handing it. But if you're paper hands, which means you're all excited on a project, but then as soon as the floor price goes down, you put it up for sale because you're, you're nervous. That just means you have paper hands, right? You're letting it, you're, you're, it's going to fall right through your hands, uh, you know, kind of uh, as soon as possible. And then the last two here we have is NFA, which just stands for not financial advice, which this podcast, of course, um, is not financial advice. Then uh, we have these terms like um, NGMI, which is referred to not going to make it, or I like the flip of it, which is WAGME, which is we are all going to make it. So if you see someone use hashtag WAGME, that's like, hey, we all are all going to make it um, you know, together as an NFT community. And then we have this term, which is DYOR, which is short for just saying, do your own research, which we're referring to is meaning don't trust anyone else on how you want to spend your money. Yes, I hope you listen to my advice. I mean, I, I can tell you guys, I know you listen to my advice because I've been talking about some projects recently and you guys are buying them. The floor price is going up drastically, which is really cool to see for everybody that's taking uh, my advice. But I hope you're doing your own research. And for this project, we like to say D-Y-O-D-R, which is do your own damn research uh, because I, you know, I am the press the damn button guy and I talk a lot about on that side. So... Hopefully you guys enjoyed this episode. It was longer than I expected. 40 minutes of vocab and terms is a lot, a lot to um, kind of consume. Uh, but hopefully you guys can come back to either the video or the podcast episode if some of the terminology gets a little bit too much for you. I will also make sure um, up on our website, uh, nft365podcast.com, uh, I'll make sure a list of all of these terms um, and definitions and even the, the link for this video um, is up there as well. So. Uh, Till tomorrow, my friends, which I tell you what, tomorrow is a great one. Uh, I'm interviewing a good friend who is the founder of, a, of the very first project that I've decided to partner with, which is uh, Meta Athletes. Uh, Kevin is going to be on the show tomorrow, so I uh, really look forward to that. Till tomorrow, my friends. Make it a good one. Cheers. The show is not for